Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You grew up in a suburb, correct? I did. um, On an Amish farm. Well, that's not really true, but in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, right across I grew up the creek from a, Amish Farm. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, across the right creek. Right across the creek. I grew yeah. up in a suburb of Parsippany, New Jersey, 30 miles west of New York City. Suburb. Uh, DJ grew up in a suburb. Also, he's walking around the studio. DJ, are you at a mic? Can you? What what city did you grow up? Yes, in? I I grew up in the beautiful city of Plymouth, Minnesota. There you ah. go, Plymouth. So we are all suburban kids. My sense. Uh, now I'm going to take a little pivot my sense of direction you know it's not great i i will say i don't really have an internal compass you can't drop me off in the middle of europe and i'll be able to figure that out my partners though um dj was describing like literally like a a, some kind of internal compass that you have that gives you 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 say you have a good sense of direction is that right uh yeah yeah i would say i have a good sense of direction and i i would say i always like inside my head i always know which way is north that way is North right now, except for it's not quite north because Minneapolis is crooked, so it's more like that way. But I, I always kind of know which way is north, unless I sometimes you get spun around, you like you know get out of an airport yeah. and your compass is all spun around. But typically, I always know which direction is which. Yeah, Th- that's foreign to me, Paul. Do you have this superpower? <laughs> I don't know if it's a superpower, but I think I think it is. Pe- people that spend a lot of time outside, and certainly DJ fits the bill there. He's outside mm-hmm. every chance he gets. Uh, for me, it was it was scouting. You know, being a Boy Scout, an Eagle mm-hmm. Scout, and doing a lot of camping, a lot of hiking. If you want to survive, you kind of have to figure it out. And you, as as DJ said, you know east and west based on sun positioning and. Yeah, you know, you kind of have your own internal radar. But, um, yeah, I've gotten spoiled, though, with Google Maps and uh, all of these uh, tools. Of and so I, th- I think you can kind of uh, it, it get lazy when it comes to navigation. Well, there's a new study in the journal Nature that says people who grow up in predictable cities that, that have like a grid, like New York City is a grid. There's avenues, and there's streets. It, it's very right. easy to get around uh, New York City. Um, if you grew up in a place like that, they seem to struggle to navigate uh, the world more so than folks who grew up in more rural areas or, in fact, like suburbs. They say much like that, na- uh, much like language, navigation is a skill that is malleable that you can exercise and I guess make hmm. bigger when people's brains are developing. So if you grew up in a place that you had to think about where you're going or remember like, okay, it was at this tree or this hill. We have to get back or even a suburb where the streets aren't as predictable that you 
are building your brain power of navigation. So I thought that that was super cool. Uh, the authors used a, a video game to test navigational abilities of hundreds of people, and they're hoping the findings uh, lead to things like to diagnose Alzheimer's disease. These are like navigation-based tests to diagnose Alzheimer's disease and, and to evaluate cognitive decline. Um, but they're, you know, they, there are other things that, of course, have to get evaluated when you're talking about things like that. But I thought it was fascinating, the correlation between uh, urban or rural or even suburbia and your sense of direction as a grown-up, because mine isn't great, but, you know, we used to hop on our bikes and go all over the neighborhood when we were kids and I guess sometimes get a little bit lost. I was managed to find my way back home. Yeah, and that's how you learn, right? You make mistakes, mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. lost, you figure it out. I think if you're in a heavily defined urban core, it's harder mm-hmm. to get lost. That's so you true. don't have the get lost uh, superpowers, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that's... in. It's a metaphor for life. You learn by making mistakes. And but aren't there people that are just better at direction, Paul? Well, like there are people that like yeah. a like a compass, like like David. You know, like he can be on a plane and know and his. He says he feels like an internal compass. Like that's a superpower. Sure. Do you remember the AAA maps, the paper maps that oh, folded up, and you got them for the each triptych. state? Yes. yes. You used yes. to flip them over a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, God help us if the Internet goes down, mm-hmm. if these apps go down on our phones, we're going to have to yeah, dig out it. the old maps. and Couldn't yeah. find my way out of a paper bag. What a mess. It'd be fun, yeah. be fun a- asking millennials and g- <coughs> Gen Xers, you know. Uh, uh, let me okay, tell you, when I was a young a reporter, yeah, when I was a young reporter, I used to use a map every day because it was before... I guess before the internet was common, you know, I mean, and, and I'm, this is the nineties. It's not like, um, I used to, at some point I started using MapQuest, but I would call local police stations to find out the location of where the fire was or something like that. But I also used to use maps, but it is so, I mean, Paul, I would never give up my Google maps or my ways or my Apple maps. I mean, it has, it's a game changer. It has changed my life for the better. Have you seen the videos of the millennials and the uh, Gen Z generation um, huh. trying to use a rotary phone? <laughs> I can't imagine. And I mean, they take minutes and they hover around <laughs> yeah. it and they pick it up and the pushing. What, how do you? Oh, that, it would be fun. That was cumbersome. Just, just to put a paper map in front of somebody <laughs> you know who's 19 years old and say, "All right, uh, we're going to get to uh, Oshkosh today," and and we're not going to use our phones. We're going to use maps. It's going to be an adventure. Go. Although the maps that they look at for navigation look like maps. So it shouldn't be all that unfamiliar to them. But it is a luxury, Paul. It is a luxury to have th- these navigations. And I don't want to go back to the old ways because I'm grateful for it. There's always a plan B. Yes. Yeah. All right. When we get back, Stephen Belton from the Urban League is going to join us. I have lots of questions about this new policy over at Hennepin Healthcare and possible reparations happening in St. Paul. Stephen Belton is joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Stephen, so much to discuss. Thanks again for the time today. Oh, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jordana and Paul. So... The Strip had a piece out yesterday about this new policy on Hennepin Healthcare 
that you can either be a doctor or a cop, but you can't be both and work for Hennepin Healthcare. Now, this was fascinating to me on many levels because I didn't realize there were so many doctors that were moonlighting as law enforcement. And then I also didn't realize that that could be, and again, this is my own naivete. This is why I have a lot of questions, um, that that could be a problem. So what do you think about the decision that Hennepin Healthcare said, okay, docs, you can no longer moonlight as cops because that would make some of the patients feel unsafe? Um, What do you think about all of this? You know, I'll kind of jump to the end of that story, that article, and uh, where the uh, CEO of Hennepin Healthcare uh, acknowledged and stated that, you know, they are on their own equity journey. And I think they said she, it was her way of saying, we're try, kind of making this up as we go along, but we're committed to addressing the issue of equity because uh, of who they are and who they are in this community. And to me, that helped frame an understanding. The fact is there aren't that many doctors or medical professionals who have dual careers. In fact, in the Hennepin Healthcare System, which has about 800 employees, the article said there are only three doctors who actually uh, moonlight or have side gigs as in law enforcement. But the issue for me, and I think for the hospital, is, is about the optics of it. You know, as a, as a lawyer, we are required to have an ethical standard that prevented us from not only doing having direct conflicts of interest, but also avoiding the appearance of the conflict of interest. And I think here you had the potential for both, certainly the appearance of a conflict for a community, and particularly, you know, given that Hennepin Healthcare and its flagship hospital, HCMC, serves such a substantial population of people of color, and particularly African-Americans, you're dealing tr- community trust is important, and the community is roaring with distrust from Hennepin Healthcare. You know the, you know the, you know the scandals that have been involved. They go beginning with the uh, ketamine trials that were being done that people didn't even know about that were being used on largely on people of color, and then more recently with the. Uh, the incidents of racism that were in the hospital itself. So the community already is distrustful. And then to have that system uh, be represented by the potential, and it's only three doctors, but they represent the mm-hmm. optical, sort of the appearance of the potential that, you know, you may have law enforcement or have, have health professionals who are compromised by their law enforcement uh, affiliation as well, I think was too much. And I think they made the right call here. I think it's a challenging call for those three doctors. Uh, but I don't. I think it was an easy call if you're listening to your patients and to the community. Okay. Hey, Fair Stephen. Enough. First Thank question: uh, What do you think of this weather? Oh huh? God. Well, huh? so, so first, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, oh. I have to, if I may, I just want to give a shout out to you. Congratulations on your your new publication, A Kid's Guide to Saving the Planet. And I actually wanted to take this opportunity to encourage you to do a a follow-up novel of a, a parent's guide to supporting kids who are saving the planet. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I, I love the idea. I love the the work that you've done and and uh, making this speaking to kids as adults are recognizing their intelligence, but also speaking to them in their language about the importance of addressing and being activists in climate change. But I think one of the mm-hmm. challenges that kids are going to have, of course, is having adults around them who support their work, who support their activism. And I just, yeah. I really like yeah. what you're doing, and I just wanted to give you a shout-out for doing that. So. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
And by the My way, I father. think the weather sucks. I think the weather sucks if you, in answer to your question. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I, I don't know if I can use, can I use it on radio, but it's yeah. terrible. Uh-huh. It's, terrible. it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Stephen, you can say That's anything fine. once. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's already going out into the universe at the speed of light. It's fine. Um, it's my, and speaking of parents, my dad taught me, and I really do believe this, that we have rights and we have responsibilities. He ingrained yep. that in my, my brother and sister. And he said that actions have consequences. And so, yep. you know, from a, a young age, the age of six or seven, he, he taught me this. And the reason I'm bringing this up, the conversations that St. Paul is having right now regarding reparations, regarding providing financial assistance to the descendants of American slaves. And I know a number of other cities around the United States are having these conversations. Is this the right time? And is it time that we as a as a society address uh, sins that were committed, you know, 100, 150 years ago or longer? Yeah, so I don't remember who made the quote, originally made the quote, but if not, not, if not now, then when, and if not us, then whom? And uh, as far as the issue of this, you know, being, you know, the events that, you know, chattel slavery itself, you know, ended over 100 years ago, uh, it was an institution. This country was actually founded on that institution, and we have still yet to reckon with it. And more importantly, I think, you know, the issue for city of St. Paul and for the other municipalities and forms of government who are wrestling with it is, is that the descendants of enslaved persons are still dealing with that issue every day. We are still penalized by it. We're still dealing with the effects of institutional race, structural racism, whether people buy into that is a reality or not. That is the lived experience of black people in this country. And you can just need to look at the continuing disparities between blacks and whites in this state. And we have among the worst in the country. And the city of St. Paul was acknowledging its own history of complicity in racist structures, uh, both in terms of things like redlining and the decision, the deliberate decision to break up the black community by sending uh, 94, which is not established uh, part of our infrastructure, but they divided and, and basically disassembled a, black, a thriving black community in doing that, but also in their complicity and uh, failure to educate and to provide employment and to address the wealth gap that continues to exist and persist among the uh, descendants of enslaved persons. And so I think it's the right call. I think it's the right conversation. I think we're having it at the right time. The big question for me is that why isn't Minneapolis further along in this, and why isn't the state and the federal government doing more to address it? Okay. Um, now, we know I other think, cities. I, 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 oh, okay, I'm sorry. I just think, I think there's a misconception that reparations involves a pot of money at the end of all of this. For everybody, mm-hmm. I think reparations is a much broader discussion. Yes, I think there needs to be financial recompense, but I also think it's much broader than that in terms of the policy implications and the in the different kinds of programs. And the city of St. Paul is actually having hearings to begin to understand and address what that might mean in St. Paul. Okay. Can we just explore that? I know we don't have a ton of time, but I'm fascinated by this. And we asked Mayor Carter to come on 
for some reason he can't, but we're hoping to maybe get somebody to talk about what the program implementation would look like. Do you have any insight, inside information at all on what that would look like, who it would encompass, where the money's coming from, if it, and if it's not? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Not just money, if it's other stuff, any, any scoop? Yeah, I would just say be patient because I think there's a sense of anxiety or anxiousness among a lot of people about what this will mean and when it will mean anything. But I think uh, if you know anything about government, you know it's it's the opposite of fast. So Mm -hmm. you should not be expecting a reparations program to appear uh, in the city of St. Paul or be announced (laughs) next year or the year after. It'll probably, more likely, it's going to be five or ten years in the making. They will be slow and deliberate, gather information. The whole thing begins with a year of planning before they actually begin the work of the actual commission itself. And so they're starting with four hearings. The purpose of those hearings is to both share information about how the process is going to unfold and to begin to hear from the public about what they would like to see, what they'd like to avoid, what the issues are, what some of the, you know, what some of the obstacles and opportunities are ahead. And so I think this is going to be an iterative process. I don't, I'm not privy to the planning in the city of St. Paul, but I've been watching with great interest, just like everybody else, or people mm-hmm. who are interested in this matter. And I think we're going to, you know, what we ought to look forward to is a deliberate, thoughtful process where the public will have lots of opportunity to engage and to, to share their views and concerns. Urban League, Twin Cities, Stephen Belton, thank you. And thanks for the shout-out, Stephen. That means a lot. I appreciate you, and we appreciate you and your perspective, and we'll catch you back here next Tuesday. Thank you. Grateful for the opportunity to be with you. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Inter- that, that idea of reparations is is fascinating, and I think it is a long time coming. And it, I'm just so interested to hear how it would shake out. What the, I know they're talking about it, but I'd love to hear a plan uh, how it, it's going to be implemented. We'll keep following that story. Uh, when we get back, you guys ready for a quiz? Today's terrible trivia? Yeah. Uh. It's this the part where I have to say yes. Yes, 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 bring it on. (laughs) Men's NCAA terrible trivia quiz. Play along next. Did you watch the game? We... Yes. Did you? I was just going to, we had fun watching the game last night. Yeah. Yeah, That was such an exciting game. The back and forth. And, And I heard the announcers say that, you know, at the half... 
Kansas, oh no, Kansas was down by 15 points. By 15. And they said, right, and they said if they came back and took the lead, it would be uh, the largest, the greatest comeback in the history of the tournament. Yes. Yes. And they did. It was the, it was the biggest comeback in, in title game history. So I was rooting for the Tar Heels. Kansas has an amazing team. It, it was exciting to watch, though. It was a good game. Yeah, it was really it was really exciting. So uh, we all had a good time. I have boys who love basketball here. So uh, it was yeah, it was really exciting. So I wrote you a quiz. Okay, I don't think we're going to go back and forth. We're just gonna you're just going to get to guess. That sound good? Sure, sure. And wait, I think we have DJ's in on this, right? (laughs) Right. DJ wants to beat up on me. I am. I'm distracted by the sound effects I'm playing with. though. Nice sound. I think we have some fun new sound effects. That's good. Yeah. Keep that up. (laughs) Okay. Show. Let's start because you're never going to be ready. So let's just move on. Yeah. Um, Your odds of filling out a perfect bracket are not good. Mm. What are the odds? Is it one in a trillion? One in a billion or one in a quintillion? Uh, DJ, I think it's really, really high. I'll go with quintillion, if that's a real thing. Quintillion? Yeah. Oh, what do you um, think? I also think it's a big, I mean, to have a perfect brackets? Yeah. I mean, it's astronomical. I. I either I'll, I'll go just to be different. I'll go a trillion, but I kind of think it, maybe it is a quadrillion, quintillion, or whatever the hell. What is it, Paul? DJ. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you get a swish if you're right, and you get a buzzer well, if you are wrong. Sorry, Paul. I was half right. I didn't. First of all, I didn't even know that a quintillion was a thing. Quintillion. That apparently that's a thing. The 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 odds. They are lower than your odds of winning the lottery, of getting struck by lightning, or being elected president. Wallet Hub says your chances of getting selected are one in a quintillion, but I can't even read the number this big. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. There are 19, 19 zeros. numbers. Has anybody, quint- has anybody ever had a verified perfect brackets? Doesn't ESPN do that every year and, and give you like a million? Bucks and you're saying it's a quintillion? Yeah. I know. I don't think. I don't think anyone's ever done it. I've never heard of a perfect. Oh, one. really? No. Oh, I don't know. I thought. I thought that it happened, but whatever. It is quintillion. So impress your friends that quintillion yep. is a real thing. Quintillion. I, now I know. Nineteen zeros. Okay, great. N- now yeah. I know. Good luck predicting the future. Yeah. Right. Who won the very first NCAA tournament in 1939? Okay. Was it Penn State? Was it <laughs> University of Oregon? Or was it Syracuse? Oh, I'm going to wow. go Sir- Syracuse. Yeah, I was going to guess Syracuse, too. What? It was the University of Oregon. Really? The Ducks? That surprises yeah. me, too. Oregon? And for, for really? a bonus question, okay. any idea what their mascot is? I'm not giving you options. I just want you to guess what the Oregon? University of Oregon Don't the, Google it, David. The, the, the Ducks. The Ducks, yeah. Ducks. It you it used to be the Webfoots. The Webfoots. The Webfoots. What? That was their, yes. The Webfoots. In 1939, the University of Oregon Webfoots. What? I don't even know if that's a word. But doesn't a web duck foots. have webbed feet? I guess so. I guess. And then they changed it to the ducks at some point because that's an actual thing instead Good of just grief. a webbed foot. It's weird. Why make it so um, difficult? Okay, here we go. So you guys sucked on that one. 
Sorry, the I'm phrase fine. March Madness, which it, had you been paying attention, you would have learned something about this this week. The phrase March Madness was first coined in connection with the NCAAs in 1982 when sportscaster Brent Musburger was describing what? Was he describing his wife's mental state? Was he describing Bobby Knight's <laughs> coaching methodology? Was he describing tournament coverage? Paul, C. David, do you want to chime in or you want to go with Paul? I don't think it was his wife. No. I, I mean, it could have been cruel. Bobby. It could have been Bobby Knight, though. I'll take that to, just to be different. Okay, so Paul. Swish. David. <laughs> The buzzer. Uh, Correct. He was describing tournament coverage. I just wanted to make up the other two because I thought they were funny. Yeah, they were. <laughs> okay. What is the only school to have the men's and women's team win the national championship in the same year? Ooh. Is it UConn? DJ, UConn. Yeah, it is oh. UConn. Oh, you guys already knew that. Yeah, we knew oh, that. Okay. And by the way, they've done it twice. Wow. Okay. The, men, I mean, I the men's and women's teams have both won the national championships in 2004 and 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the UConn, UConn women have won like half of the tournaments yeah. in the last right. few decades mm-hmm. or something, yeah. and they're, they're dominant. So, Why is Still it UConn? It. Why are they the powerhouse? How did that happen? Mm. Coaching, recruiting, who the heck knows? Why does Alabama keep yeah. winning championships probably for they football, right? Give all their players a car under the table. That's probably how Dynasty. <laughs> Well, that could happen too. Success breeds more success, yeah. right? Okay, are we yeah. ready for a very scientific question mm-hmm. and your last Boy. one? Okay. Yeah. In 1997, the NCAA made it a requirement that the Final Four must be held in a domed stadium with a seating capacity of at least 40,000. In 2009, the capacity minimum was raised to 70,000 people. The question here is, why does it need to be a dome? Is the answer... Better acoustics. B, because tornadoes pass over domes. Or C, <laughs> there's no actual reason. Paul, C. I think it's C. I hope it's C. I, 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 acoustics? I. Well, you know what? Now that I think about it, I, maybe it is the acoustics. It, it has nothing to do with tornadoes. You can't no. have it both ways. I buddy. think it's C. I'm, nothing. You can. Have I'm going to go with acoustics. Okay. DJ. Ah, oh God. Paul. Ah. Yeah. Yes, I totally made that up. There's no actual reason. It's just, I don't know. It just says a dome because it has to be inside somewhere. There's no real It is interesting, though, how they keep milking more cash, extracting mm-hmm. more money out of our wallets and purses, right? By increasing mm-hmm. the capacity. More, that's you didn't jam like more my, people my, in there. You didn't like B, tornadoes pass over <laughs> domes? No, no. It made me think for a second. I thought, no, no. Because <laughs> it's not us. true. I just made it up. Okay, yeah. I did not keep score, but I'm going to go with DJ did I better. think I won. I, yeah, think, I think I won, I won. that one. Yeah. Pretty Wait. much hands right. down. Here, I'm going to drop back and uh, sink a three-pointer to you. Ready? Ready? Here you go. It's going to be right at the buzzer. There it is. Here I beat the buzzer. Go. He loves his, his sound <laughs> yeah. effects. Okay, He's I'm very happy toys. playing with his sound Boys effects. Boys in their today. toys. Thank you. As <laughs> long as you're happy, when DJ. We, when we get back, the sports talk will continue because Mike Max is joining us next. That's not how the lyrics go, Mike Max. Close. You have the freedom to On do my whatever you want. Tape used to play like that. Kind of. Did it? Yeah. 
Did you have an eight track? Really? Right, yeah. right below the uh, dice head hanging from the mirror. You had an eight track too. No, huh? did you have a CB radio in your vehicle? I didn't, but when I was a kid, I remember one of our friends, the great Doctor Arno Snelchus, had one, and we thought that was the greatest thing in the world that he could sit and talk For to these sure. semi truck drivers. He was the dentist in town and a great character, mayor, and a wonderful guy. He had a CB in his van, and many times our families would travel together to different places. And he 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 was a, he had more fun with that thing, you know. And, Hey, good buddy, I'm being there. You remember how they used to talk on the... Yeah. When the uh, <laughs> 73s and so 88s fun. to the better half. Yeah, yeah. So that... <laughs> yeah, um, more fun so with fun. that thing. That's how I got my start. When I was like 14, I did a daily weather report on CB Channel 7 Just in the local the neighborhood. Just what? God, you were Truck drivers, housewives. Uh, it wasn't just truck drivers. Whoever had a CB, huh? I had a CB, Yeah. <laughs> I think I peaked back then, but oh, wow. oh well. That's pretty cool. You, you were an entrepreneur before you knew you were an entrepreneur. I just look, look. Yeah. I just love the weather and yeah. still do. Grateful I can kind of make a living doing something I love. So I, I don't. It sucked out there today. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, I so twice going. I was out on assignments watching. The, here's Ooh, an interesting okay. one. Uh, you know, pickleball is really picking up steam, right? The, the sport Huge. of pickleball. Yeah. So I was out oh, yeah. there doing a story that, and this makes all the sense in the world. They're introducing it to the inner city kids because why not, right? It's it's a relatively easy sport to pick up and learn. All you need sure. is gym space, a small net, and uh, a paddle and and, and wiffle balls. And you can play, and, and so some of these great teachers are taking it to them and saying, Here, "Here's an option for you guys instead of video games." You know, it's um, it's really, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world because they got facilities sure. and they got places and they got energy. So it was, it was fun to see. Maxie, I love that. you were right about last night. My I niece was. is crushed, yeah. but uh, the Jayhawks prevailed. They, you're right. Mm-hmm. They just had the better team at the end of the day. Great but game. man. Great it game. was close. Yeah, 16-point uh, lead at the half for North Carolina. And Kansas come back and wins it down the stretch. And it, it was really there, – there are a lot of things that had to happen. And at the end, when Kansas looked like they had the game won and they stepped out of bounds and gave North Carolina just one more chance, yeah. one more breath of life, I mean, it was uh, it was crazy good. And uh, they made plays the whole game when it, when it looked like Kansas was ready to overtake North Carolina. North Carolina punched back. Hubert Davis had a memorable interview during the game that kind of spoke to the energy that was going on on the floor. And it was uh, it was everything that the NCAA basketball tournament committee needed to recapture the imagination, at least for a night, uh, of basketball fans. Yeah. Amen. Hey, um, talk a little bit about the Wolves play the Wizards yep. tonight. Right here on CCO. How does the uh, how does the play in tournament okay. work? Good question, because I think a lot of people are a little confused by this. You, you so the Timberwolves are the seventh seed. They'll play the eighth seed, probably the Los Angeles Clippers. If the Timberwolves win, they're in the playoffs. If they lose, they still get one more chance because there'll be another game between the nine and ten seeds, and the winner of that. They will play, and if they beat them, they still go in. So the the Timberwolves will have to win, in essence, one of two games to get into the playoffs. But if they win the first one, it's done. They're in. If they don't, they still get one more shot at it. Okay. Thank you for explaining. Yeah, I know. It's complicated. I don't know how they came up with that, but it's a strange configuration. Yeah. Oof. Hey, did you get any of that food? There was food over at uh, Twins were unveiling some of the new food. I did food. not did go over there anything? for the food. Tomorrow I'll go over there for the um uh, practice when they get there. They played the day their final spring training game. Carlos Correa hit a home run. They lost 10-6. to 6. Byron Buxton a home run. Uh, so I'll make my way out there tomorrow for what is 
Well, it's on the schedule as a workout, but you know they can always hit indoors and pitch indoors because they've got facilities to facilitate that. You know, but the hope, of course, was that they'd be out on the field and practicing and, and, and be business as usual. It doesn't look like it's going to get there tomorrow. I I think they're going to move the game to Friday. That's just my so, so guess. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but in essence, there's two things they're fighting: chance of rain, but just as much the cold. Yeah, the the wind chills are going to be in the twenties. The winds will be up Boys. around thirty thirty five. It's I typical got no, for late February. See, I got no problem with that. I really don't, and I think that uh, I don't understand why people get so upset. But I've been to a lot of home openers. Never been cold. Press boxes. Oh, we always close the window on the openers. Well, you've got the schnapps, too, right? you <laughs> got, got, the, got the heaters. <laughs> the flask. You're the best, I mean, Mikey. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, nope. Mikey. Yep. Yeah, no game tonight. Wolves versus Wizards tonight at 7, so you have to catch Mike on TV. Ah, when we get back, what does Folker, Paul's dad, think about Ukraine? Stay tuned. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.